spoken language. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, just to hang up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. Spoken You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer with no good or bad writing to compare against your own. You just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft a masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label, all one word, Spoken Label dot Bandcamp dot com. On the Bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you have thrown me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs of this podcast. Enjoy. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house. I'm back in my favourite place tonight, Zoom. And we're travelling a bit further afield tonight. And we've got a gentleman on Zoom. I'm going to let him introduce himself in a minute. Very nice, nice gentleman. Just been chatting to him for a few minutes. We've got a book out just a few days ago, actually. I'd love so. We've kind of linked this in very cleverly here. So let, we let him talk about his book. He's a lovely guy. So, Michael, obviously, I'm going to let you start off. Do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? I know you're originally from Witness, aren't you? But you're not, well, I seem to agree you're not there and you live in a bit more exotic nowadays, aren't you? Unless, my, unless I've got my places wrong. <laughs> so introduce yourself, mate. Tell everybody who you are, where you come from originally, where you're living now, and what led you on the path to the book we're going to be talking about today. Well, uh, for those of you that have no idea who we are, which is probably everyone listening, um, my name is Mike, and I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcaster, amongst other things as well. Um, I've got a fair amount going on and plenty planned for next year, despite COVID, which is, is looking pretty dire for a lot of people right now. Blimey, so yeah. I, I'm originally from Widnes in, in, in the UK. Um, I moved to Lanzarote um, in the Canary Islands and... I started writing the book originally because people were wanting to know what 
what made me tick and what allowed me to do some of the things that I'm doing, despite things like health conditions and being a reasonably quiet person. So it was kind of how am I able to go against who I am or how people would perceive me to be or their expectations or their labels of me and all those things to doing things like speaking on stage or being on TV or launching my own podcast, which again, there, there were things that they wouldn't have thought that I would have done given my past and, and, and what they would know about me. So because I got asked enough questions about it, because people were wanting to know, um, there was a part of me that didn't want to keep repeating myself to a certain degree. It was kind of like, if I write this book, then I can just refer people to the book, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, of course. Ross, we better tell, better tell people about the book than haven't we next? So tell them what the book's called. <laughs> My philosophy, isn't it? So, and then we'll take, yeah, tell a bit more about the book here, and that you journey to the book. Yeah, so what's the book called then, just so people know? The book is called My Introvert Journey to Be Invisible. So going from being in the shadows and hiding and liking it there, because that, that, that's one of the things that people may not realize is you get to a certain point where you actually like hiding. You like being quiet. You like not having to say to things all the time. You like just saying no. It makes life very easy. Do you want to come out? No. Do you want to do this? No want to do that no it makes life very easy for yourself you know I and mean, it's something that you actually like to do like you like your own company you like doing things on your own it can become almost like golden handcuffs right there are things that hold you back that you just so happen to like and it took a lot for me to remove those and to feel like you know i can get away from normal i can leave this bubble or cage that I created for myself and I can get used to and learn to like things that also help me achieve the, the business and life ambitions that I have. So it was about taking one version of things that I enjoy doing and simply changing that completely but learning to like the other things that I do now. Yeah, yeah, I get completely with that. So but obviously, it's, it's obviously fair to say them by straight away. Then, obviously, growing up, then you were quite a quiet person, and days weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, it was just something that I, I just was. You know, I wasn't necessarily born that way. In that, I was reasonably hyperactive. <laughs> I was doing a lot, a lots of sports, and I was running all the time, playing around with all the other kids and friends, and do all kinds of games and all that sort of stuff. So it was something that when you're younger, you just simply don't realize what you're doing. You don't have the, the same thoughts and the same feelings and the same sort of in, instincts that you have as you grow up, you know, and things just got more, more and more complicated. But um, yeah, it started when <clears throat> started from a very early age because when when you have health conditions you realize very quickly from a young age just how different you are from other people just yeah, yeah. how you know you do things they don't you have to do this and they don't and when you're a, when you're a kid you don't really know any different so you make your life very easy and you come up with the statement of they're better than me and 
when you're the only kid in the school that's allowed to have cystic fibrosis, which is one of the conditions that I have, you very quickly get to the conclusion that you're the kind of worst kid in the school. Yeah, you know, completely. In my case, and this, I think that's why I can relate to what you say there, Mike, I've got a number of health conditions, some of which weren't diagnosed by adults, but the one that big problem I had growing up was, and I'm partially sighted. I've only got like about 10, five or ten percent vision in one of my eyes, and it was. I think when you're growing up, like that, it's exactly the same. I can get completely what you're going on about there because I had a difficult, difficult childhood, secondary school in particular, and I'm guessing you had about your both your schools as well. They weren't easy times probably for you at all, were they? No, I mean when <clears throat> when you don't have when you don't have friends that go from primary school to high school and you've got to learn how to make friends without a lot of friends to start with, it, it's difficult. No one introduces you to anybody. There's no like social circle. There's, there, there's none of that. There's no kind of already established friends, if you will. And I, I was naturally quiet. I always found it hard to make friends. Um, and that just got even more difficult, you know, when it was like, well, how, how can you make friends when you don't know if it's going to be a nice conversation or a not so nice conversation? Yeah. You know? No, completely, completely. And it's like, I was, I got beat up a lot of school and I presume you would have had some similar sort of situation where you're trying to judge how to trust people. And if you got one or two knockbacks straight away, it would like cause you absolute havoc. I could, I could certainly see what you're coming out there. So. So what happened after school then, basically? Um, your journey then, obviously, you've picked yourself up as you got older, didn't you? So. Yeah, so one of the things that it, it coincided with were <clears throat> a couple of things, really. So the first one was having control over how I spent my time in the education system. So up until you're 18, you're sort of told what to learn. You're told what to do, you're told where to go, you're told what to think, you're told everything. But once I got to college in the UK, um, I could choose. People were like, well, what do you want to do? Not these are your subjects, these are your topics that you have to learn. I could choose and I was able to have a bit more control over how I spent my time. And up until that point, um, I was in, I was playing sport a lot. I was in basketball clubs, basketball teams. Sport was the, the thing that started for health reasons, but became a hobby that became a bit of an obsession, really. I kind of obsessed over exercise quite a bit. So when I was in college, it was, I'll do a sports course. I'll do, I'll do something to do with sport. And I wasn't amazing at all sports. I was good at to the rest I was not very good at and they weren't very popular sports either it was basketball and tennis so as you can imagine I had yeah. a whole lot of friends yeah they're not they certainly, so, they certainly weren't the sort of sports that you know, said were most popular school any stretch of sports no and it, it, it meant that it meant that when I picked sport as my as my thing one of the common things that I realized is when I was in college, you, you had the common 
the commonalities amongst everybody that were in your class. You all liked sport. You were all having your own sports that you were good at. And there were people there that had less popular sports than me in terms of how many people played. I want one of my one of my best friends in college was a boxer. He was a boxing coach. It's not yeah, it's popular for people that watch it, but I don't know many people that box. I don't know many people that box like professionally to semi-professionally. It's not as popular as tennis. When when Wimbledon's playing, everyone wants to play tennis. When the NBA's on, everyone wants to play basketball. Where not many people go out and go, I'm going to start hitting people. It's not as commonly available, you know. It's not as publicly available. So that was something that I realised was we all like sport. That was enough to start a conversation. And I always remember like researching about where he worked, researching about the the fight that was on. So then when I went to college, I had something to talk to him about. And it's just something that not many people would do. Not not many people would do that. But I I knew because I realized just how of a difficult time I had in high school that I had to start making an effort if I was going to relate to people. Because it's unpopular. What I did was unpopular. When I was in high school, I just had to grit and bear it because not many people talked to me anyway. So trying to relate to them was just even harder. It was like a bit too much effort. I've got so much going on, so much to think about already. I've also then got to think about like liking people and trying to make an effort when I could be the only one making the effort, right? Where in college, it was different. In college, I also found the gym. <laughs> so I also found my ability to be healthier, be fitter, be stronger. So if I wasn't at college, I was in the gym. And if I wasn't in college or the gym, I was studying or I was playing sports or I was being with family and friends. And it built this system around improving myself and bettering myself and being healthier and being stronger to the point where I didn't have to worry about it. You, you spend days and you worry and just getting through the day and making it to the bed again. Go from doing that to finally being on top of everything, finally not just surviving, but thriving with this thing. And when I realized that I could actually you know, be better, because up until when I was 15, I started lifting weights, but <clears throat> up until that point, I'd never even thought of what the gym was or what improving myself even meant. I had none of that. Where when I I found gym and I found the bodybuilding magazines and I found the oh my god I don't have to put up with average I can be better than average this is amazing where did this come from where does this magical thing come from and I was obsessed or addicted by it I couldn't get enough I had to I had to do it I just got hooked completely and that meant that I could focus on other things I could put my mind to more productive things other than waking up, doing my morning routines, going to college, getting back, playing sport or doing the things that I would enjoy, which included, it actually included video games at the time, and going to bed and waking up and doing it all over again. I finally felt like I could actually do more than just getting by. More. I'll back, respect you. I agree, mate. 
agree with you completely there. So I think yours is a great story there because you basically, you, I think a lot of people do this. They go through that. He said, go to work, go home, put TV on, go to bed. You're, you broke the cycle. That's respectable. I, I did that about what? I broke the cycle about 20 years ago myself because I'm 48 now. And that includes, like, don't, I, don't, I don't need to go to the pub now. I don't know what your weekends are like and stuff, but I've got friends that, their friends are basically, they're at the pub every Saturday, Saturday and Sunday night. Don't do it. Don't need it. Don't need it. So there's more to life than that. So I get it completely with that. So what led you then to want to write this book then, was it, that you, you just bought out? Well, one of the, the biggest turning points for me was <clears throat> being, being diagnosed with diabetes as well. Oh, you've so, got diabetes, have you? Oh, right. Oh, wow. Many people realise the kind of connection with it. So I don't have type 1 or type 2. It's related to the cystic fibrosis or, or CF. It's easier to say CF. Because what happens is... <clears throat> Type one is your pancreas just shutting down, having a hard time. <clears throat> type two is the diet related. So that's how the fat builds up around the outside and stops the insulin from doing its thing. Cystic fibrosis related is mucus on the inside. Because yeah, I've heard of this, I've heard of this. Is your body produces too much mucus in the body, um, which causes all the complications. Um, so when I was diagnosed, there was a lot that went into it. There was a lot that really played a part in changing my sort of life, life trajectory because I had a friend that had those conditions before I was diagnosed. So I got to learn about, you know, what the lifestyle is like, having to be healthier, having to focus more on yourself. You know, you've got to look after it. There are things that you just have to do. Now. Yeah. And it was, not just one condition, but it was two. And yes, you've two got that. You've got to learn how to live with, survive with, and eventually thrive with all the complications that come with not one, but two conditions that actually get worse over time. Yeah. I so, understand. I've not broadcast this yet, but I'm diabetic myself. So but I I'd see you made NFL straight away for oh, wow, yeah. Is there a history of diabetes in your family? There is, but only... I know there is mine, yeah. Only sort of diet-related. Um, man's, man's pancreas had both sides. So, because my uh, granddad, my mum's dad had it, and my dad's got it, so <laughs> that's why. But it's like I said, you were quite young to get it, really, weren't you? Because that was 38. I was in my I was in my twenties actually. I was yes. in my, I was twenty. That's not the that's not the usual age you get that all that like, you you're sure you know it yourself like diabetes used easy but juvenile diet but juvenile age or when you get into your taller pensioner age like I got up to thirty nine actually you got your twenties like that's both not normal ages at all then really so yeah. Yeah, I mean as you get older you become more what's known as carb sensitive. So your body reacts more violently to carbs as you get older. Basically, we get tired. Um, yeah, yeah. Our harder to handle it. That's kind of how it works in a nutshell. But one of the things that really hit home for me was he actually passed away before I was then diagnosed. And he was only a year older than me. Yikes. So 
So when I was diagnosed, I had the whole kind of sort of, I, 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 am I next? You know, is it going to take me next? Have I only got a year left? It was only a year older than I was. Um, and I, I had this overwhelming feeling of, like, have I done enough? You know, because my first business was tennis coaching. It was personal training. I'm, I'm a helper at heart, right? And when, when this happened, I really didn't feel like I was doing enough. I didn't feel like I was, I, I mattered. I didn't feel like I, I'd lived to my fullest potential. Now, I know people use that term and throw it around and your potential is never reached because that's why it's potential, right? The, the, the goalpost moves every time you achieve something. That's what potential means. When people say achieve your fullest potential, it, it's, it doesn't make sense because you can't do it. Your potential changes every time you improve because that's what potential is. It, 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 it's a future focused thing. But I, I really didn't think, you know, when I asked the questions like, did I matter? Did I do enough? Would I be happy with the life that I live? The answer was no. You know, I wouldn't, no matter what I did, the personal training was going well. My own health was doing fantastic at the time, which made it even worse for me because I didn't think that any of it mattered. I didn't think any of the health stuff even made a difference. I was training every day, training clients, exercising multiple times a day. I was either teaching a fitness class, training myself, training clients, or playing tennis, hitting tennis balls for a living. I, I was doing a lot of stuff with my week physically. And it, yeah. just came it all made it feel a little bit, not pointless, but it felt like, it felt like I had to be smarter with it. I couldn't just do more. Doing more just wasn't enough. I couldn't, it was never going to make a difference if I was just doing more, because I was doing more. <laughs> but when, when I really sat down and processed it, and I'll I t- I tell you something, Andy, some of the, the hardest workouts I ever did were that week. I was, it was, it was got, I was so angry. I hated the world. I hated myself for hating the world. This doesn't work. And I went through the whole spiral of wanting to do better, wishing I could have helped them, wish I could have even helped myself for a start. And, you know, the, the nurses were like, there's nothing you can do about it. You've just, got, you've just got to make the lifestyle choices. You've just got to change how you live in order to accommodate this thing. And it was more than that. It was more than that because it wasn't just diet related. It wasn't just health related. It wasn't just fitness related. It was my entire life. I had to reestablish what I was going to do with my life. Because yes, we're, we're over a year now, by the way. We're over five years now since I was diagnosed. So I've officially made it past the year mark. But when at the time when you're asking yourself like if you had a year left what would you do with your life what would you do with your business how how could you help people at a bigger scale that's what then led to okay start my podcast start speaking people need to hear what I have to say I had clients coming up to me and saying you've got to share your story more like since I've heard it, I'm working so much harder, getting so much better results in my, my, in my health and fitness. 
you've got to share your story more. It's not just about health and fitness. It's about improving yourself and not just motivation because motivation comes and goes, but being able to feel like you're fulfilled and living a life that you would be happy with. And it encouraged me to do it because when, when people that know you say things like, oh, you do really well and you should do this. And they're biased, right? We're not stupid. We know what's going through their mind. But yeah. when people that are sort of strangers say that, it hits more because they don't know who you are and yet they still respect you. They still really find you helpful, really find you valuable and start telling you that you should do it to motivate you and encourage you to do something that hit home for me because it's not my mother saying it. It's not my mother saying, oh, your book's amazing. Because it's one, yeah, cheers. You love that, right? Thanks very much. But it's a difference between your family and friends saying it and then strangers saying it. People that don't really know who you are. And that made me want to do it. I had no other, I had no other sort of, thoughts about it it was i can help people at a bigger scale help more people and that, that that's always been my guiding light since i was 16. how can i help people you know i've, I've realized that i can feel good by making them feel good and making them improve whatever it was that's why i went from tennis to fitness because fitness is a bigger thing it's so much important much more important than tennis and then it was like, right, well, what about this story thing? What about this health story? And then when I started speaking on stage and having the podcast and being on TV and all those things, I realized I didn't share those things, but they're not for health and fitness. They're for business owners. They're for other change makers like myself that struggle to put themselves out there. So I shifted away from health and fitness and towards the visibility aspect because ultimately the ripple effect of that is so much bigger and that's what I want to do I want my ripple effect to be worth it I want my ripple effect to be impactful and when I finally have my clock punched um, I want to look back and say yes to was it worth it would I be remembered did I matter I want to change those answers to yes instead of no. Oh, yeah, completely. No, good stuff, mate. I admire for that straight away that you're showing your drive there, definitely. Okay, I want to ask you about your podcast then. Now, obviously, tell us a bit about then your podcast, what it's called, for people that don't know, what made you want to do the podcast, and tell people a little bit about how that journey of the podcast has gone for you then. Well, the podcast initially started because I was listening to shows and I realized I enjoyed listening to them um, I loved learning I felt like I could learn so much more from podcasts than reading books or going on courses even you know I, I bought loads of books I went on loads of courses and I felt like podcasts were just so much better because it was on my own time it was free and I just got so much out of it. And I loved learning. And then I thought, what if I started one? What if I could ask people the questions I want to know 
and then record them and put them out as as podcasts so other people could benefit and I, it took me a year to actually start it because I wanted all the best equipment I wanted the best software the best microphones the the recording studios you know all the podcasters that I follow have their own studios and I was like whoa I would love to do that, that I don't I don't <laughs> I'm in the living room <laughs> almost yeah. studying doing it so <laughs> that that was what it was like sort of five years ago six years ago and the reason why it took me a year was because I read all the blogs I went on courses I <coughs> I look, looked up the people that I followed and like what equipment do they use? What software do they use? What mics do they use? And eventually, it was too much information. I had too much information to go on, no idea what to do. And the, what really hit me was I listened to I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, and he said that he recorded his first shows on his iPhone, and. That made me think because he's gone from recording on his iPhone to being able to move over to Texas and have his own purpose-built studios, have celebrities wow. in all over the world to chat to him. And it was like, well, if he can start on his phone, then so can I. So I thought, right, don't need any equipment. I've got a headset with a mic to make my life easy with the microphone stuff. And I'll have it plugged into my phone and that will be my podcast, that's it. And then I found like media hosts and all those sorts of things and it started. I needed guests, I managed to find guests and the rest is history. Oh, fair play, fair play to you. I started this one about people that you, people know nearly five years ago now and mine, I'll make you laugh here. Mine started off originally as a drunken one-off from a mate of mine. And probably the last time I got half cut I was, it was a writer. And then we, but I just carried did another one, but so uh, it just carried on. I think it's kind of took a life of its own. I think yours did sound like it did. It did it yourself. You planned it for a while. And how often do you, do you bring the podcast down if people are interested? So right now, um, the podcast is mostly me doing my own solo episodes. Um, it's a self improvement show where I answer people's questions on life or business or philosophy and all those things. And I answered a question on stuff like universal basic income to uh, how to be more disciplined, to how to make better decisions. Uh, a more recent question was about how do I get over feelings of feeling like I'm worthless? You know, how do I, what, what can I do about that? Um, and then I have interviews with guests from all different, all different worlds of life. So musicians, actors, um, authors, entrepreneurs, business owners, you name it. There's a whole host of stuff, singers, songwriters, all that kind of stuff. Because I've realized that despite what industry they're in, they all do similar things to make sure they can perform at their best. And again, it's me wanting to know, a very curious person I think, um, I, think, I, I, think I think there is an element of that if anybody's a podcaster, right? I am. I like stories, and I do. And I think yours has been a fascinating story. And it's like, it's good for you. Like, you're waving, and I can, I can, almost like you're reversing people, can't you? You can be the controller, then basically. So, you know, I'm getting completely. 
Yeah, one of the one of the main things with it was I just wanted to do something that allowed me to help more people while also realizing that I had to focus more on my health. So one of the biggest things for me was I actually feel a lot of responsibility. I feel a lot of pressure, I guess, because I've got to be selfish sometimes. I've got to say no to things. I've got to focus on me almost more than I did when I just had CF. And what that led was, it led to me thinking, okay, I've also got to balance that out because I start to feel bad that I'm spending too much time on myself. And that led to the show because it allowed me to help people, more people and help myself at the same time. That's what it's been about for me, by helping others and helping myself at the same time. Not perfect to get it completely without self. We're coming to the conclusion now anyway, so I just want to go through two quick things to finish off with tonight. I want to know, obviously, like I like to ask people, is what do you have planned for the future, creativity-wise? Is there anything you can reveal yet? Well, next year there are... There are maybe two things that I could mention. Um, and I say that because what I'm kind of wired to do is say things and come up with wacky ideas, put it out there. And then I kind of have to try to meet the expectation then. So like with, with the book, it was, okay, I'm going to write the best selling book, not just a, like an ebook that any Tom, Dick, Harry or Vera can write. I want to write a good book. I want it to be a bestseller and I want it to help people. That's what I want. Then I go, ooh, but I don't really know how to do that. I wouldn't say I was a writer. I've got to learn how to do this thing and, and promote it and make people buy it. And oh, okay, I'll figure it out. That, that's kind of how it starts. It's you want to do something and then you figure it out. Now, next year, um, I, I'm wanting to start, <coughs> wanting to start my own media agency. That's number one. Um, number two is a health supplement brand. So a standalone company, not sort of under the, the Mike brand, Michael Bryan brand. It's gonna be its own standalone company, health and fitness supplements. Again, health is a massive part of my life. Um, it's, it's almost a part of my identity. I say almost. Um, and I thought it's a big part of who I am. So what, what, why not? You know, why not do it? Um, I've had a lot of work cut out for me. Um, very particular, very picky. Being in the health and fitness industry for so long as well. I've come across a lot of, a lot of companies that I would not want to be anywhere near. A lot. Oh companies that I would not want to get involved with. They've asked me and I've said no. Um, and since having the podcast, it's been like, okay, I've got a, my name adds a bit more weight now compared to what it used to. I want to make sure that it's things that I am happy with. So it got me very picky. And I've realized that the best way of doing it is to do my own. So, so that's kind of how it, it started. It's, I could 
put my name on somebody else's stuff or I can do my own. And I decided that because of my, I guess, high standards, I suppose, um, doing it myself is probably the best option. You know, I would feel happier if I had a bit more control over what was going on. Um, so that's why I'm starting that, you know, health, health supplement company, um, media agency. And for now, that's kind of enough for me. Um, the foundation that I'm starting, hopefully in December, is about helping children that are different, helping children that don't fit the status quo of get good grades, go to a good college, go to a good university and get a job. So people like me, basically, that started out struggling, you know, the whole kind of, if you judge a fish based on its ability to climb a tree, it's going to think it's a failure for the rest of its life. So it's people like that that want to be judged for who they are, not judged based on somebody else's metrics. So that's what the foundation's there for. Um, that is the Everyone Can Shine Foundation. Again, not official yet. It's not kind of, it's not made official. It's not, you know, it's, it's an idea that I'm working with the local council on. Um, so yeah, because by now we're having the interview now where it's idea stage, it's tried to get in front of the right people stage. So it's not a hit and hope because I've actually got replies and I've got people wanting to get involved. So it's, it's not at stage one, it's at like stage three, but there's 20 stages. So <clears throat> if you want to support the foundation, more than happy to have you on board. Uh, the podcast is amazing. You should definitely check out the Ask Mike show. And those of you that want to grab the book, it's on Amazon. That's the main place where you can find the book. Perfect. You've, had, you've, answered, you've asked me, answered my last question there. I'll be asking you there, Mike. <laughs> it's almost like you've never mind there, mate. Perfect. <laughs> and I think that's a great way to wrap up today, that, Michael. Perfect. That. Spot on, mate. So hang around, as I always tell you, I need to quit with you off mic. Off mic. Thank you again today. It's been a pleasure today. I've, I've learned a lot from that today. I hope everyone listened to us as well. So take care, guys and girls. Stay safe and stay over. Spot on, mate.